Will Dez catch it this time? Will it matter? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to Blue 58, the official podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Joining me this evening, a friend of the program, Gary Zillavy. How are you doing, Gary? It's a great day to be great, John. A fantastic day to be great. Let's jump right in with some headlines, starting with one Jordy Nelson. The Packers wide receiver now out of the hospital, but had to spend a night in the hospital after breaking a couple ribs during Sunday's game with the New York Giants on the receiving end of a brutal hit from Leon Hall. There's been some talk of a of a fine coming Leon Hall's way, some talk during the game of that potentially being an illegal hit. Before we get to the implications of what this means for the Packers in relation to Sunday's game, Gary, dirty hit or not dirty hit? Not a dirty hit. I think that it's it's something where uh, I don't know where the line is from clean or dirty hit. Nelson was going for the ball. They hit him. It, it, you know, what is he supposed to slow down a little bit? As much as I love Jordy Nelson, um, it did it did feel it, when I watched it like a clean hit. And I was surprised when they said that it was a dirty hit and should have been flagged. I was surprised when it was too. Mike Pereira, the former VP of NFL officiating, I think was his title, weighed in for the Fox broadcast and said uh, Hall not only was probably going to get fined, he probably should have been flagged for the hit, which surprised me a little bit because it didn't look like he hit him with the top of his helmet. I guess it was kind of a borderline call, but a tough hit for Nelson, that notwithstanding. And it looks like He'll be hard-pressed to practice before Friday or Saturday, and even if he does, he's going to be moving fairly gingerly. Do you think the Packers can win without Nelson on Sunday? I think they can. They went down to Dallas in 2010 and won without Rodgers. Now, that's not a playoff game, and Dak Prescott was, at the time, uh, a high schooler. But uh, I do think that the Packers, um, Packers are in good shape. I think that even without Nelson... Um, I, I think they got a really good chance of winning in Dallas. I think they have a really good chance too. And I think the the variety of things that they can do on offense, especially with guys like Ty Montgomery out there and Randall Cobb returning to a more full strength uh, role, uh, gives them options on offense. I think it's it's worth mentioning too, and we'll talk about this a little bit more in depth when we, we talk about the game itself. But while the Cowboys do well against top-end receivers like your number one, your number two type receivers, they don't do so well against tight ends. Now, Jordy Nelson, obviously not a tight end. Uh, Jared Cook fills those duties for the Packers. But I I guess my point is his loss may not mean as much because it would be attacking a position of strength for the Cowboys anyway. It would be a bigger deal if they would lose somebody like Cook, maybe, who who can work that middle of the field for the Packers against, uh, against a Cowboys defense that has struggled at times to cover tight ends. Now, in the event that Jordy Nelson would try to play, Gary, you have some insight from LaShawn McCoy, who actually tried to go through this in 2010, playing himself with a couple broken ribs. He did, and uh, he had a pretty successful game. Uh, the New York Times uh, did a profile on, on McCoy's uh, game now. Playing running back in the NFL uh, with a broken rib is certainly... Uh, going to be a little bit more physically demanding than playing wide receiver, at least in the number of hits you're most likely going to receive. And what I what I thought is interesting and worth sharing here was uh, McCoy's quote, and this comes courtesy of the New York Times. It says, uh, the biggest thing about this injury, McCoy says, is that people are nervous about breathing. 
uh, end quote. And I find that to be really insightful and probably a good barometer for where Jordy Nelson is going to be this week that, you know, when you watch a player battle an injury, if he does go through it, you got to remember that his number one concern is breathing. Um, that's going to be really hard for him to make an impact. Um, in, in, uh, John, I know you dug up a Packers receiver who did play through some broken ribs. Yeah, uh, it's it's a more apples-to-apples apples comparison because LaShawn McCoy, I think if anything, it's going to be a lot more difficult for a running back to play with broken ribs. But James Jones actually played with two broken ribs himself during the 2013 playoffs. Now, to be fair, he had a little bit longer to recover than Jordy Nelson did. It's not a week-to-week -week sort of thing. He broke two ribs late in the season against Pittsburgh in the 2013 season, but then went on to play uh, in the playoffs, in the first round of the playoffs against the, the San Francisco 49ers. Um, made it through the rest of the season, never even appeared on the injury report, uh, so nobody knew about it until he told the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel after the season. Uh, it sounds like he was in pretty rough shape, said he was spitting up blood the next day after the game in which he broke his ribs. And he said he wanted to to specifically practice through the injury so that he could um, not have it show up on the injury report and people wouldn't know that he was hurting. That is some gutsy play. Uh, I'm sure if I broke some ribs, I would be on the injury report for sure uh, for the next five or six months. Uh, but it, it can be done. I don't know if I want Jordy Nelson to play with broken ribs, and I think the Packers can win without him. I, I Do you want to see him push through? I don't. I really don't. And that's probably out of an abundance of caution for just loving Jordy Nelson and loving his energy. If if the Packers are, are going to win Sunday against Dallas, it's not going to be because they either have or do not have Jordy Nelson. I completely agree with that. So let's move on with some or from some broken broken ribs to someone who is going to be moving on from the Green Bay Packers. Gary, what do you have for us? So this headline comes to us courtesy of Michael Cohen, and uh, the headline reads: Packers release defensive tackle Pennell after second suspension. And uh, we're quoting here: After two suspensions in one year, the Green Bay Packers have moved on from defensive lineman Mike Pennell. The Packers released him Monday afternoon. Uh, Pinnell, 25, missed the first four games of the regular season after violating the NFL substance abuse policy during the offseason. He returned to the active roster in week six and made his debut against the Dallas Cowboys. Pinnell played in each of the next eight games before his problems resurfaced. On December 6th, the league announced Pinnell would be suspended for another violation of the substance abuse policy. The suspension would cost him the final four games of the regular season and expired last week at which point the Packers received a one-week roster exemption. So, John, we just cut a big defensive lineman, and the Packers are heading into a contest against the league's best rushing attack. Problem? I don't think so, uh, and I'll tell you why. I, I think the Packers' best defense against the Dallas Cowboys is actually going to be the Packers' offense. If the Cowboys do what they do, which is to just run the ball right down your throat. And if they can be successful at that, I think the Packers just have no chance. And when Mike Pinnell was out there against Dallas the first time around, it didn't seem to make much difference anyway. Uh, 
So not having him to me doesn't make that big of a, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. I think if the Packers are going to be successful, it's not going to be because of a guy like Mike Pinnell, but if it's it's going to be because they force the Cowboys into passing situations and can pressure Dak Prescott. So no, I don't think Pinnell is that big of a loss here. Uh, how about you? It probably will be a loss if there's any any slight injury on the line. I feel like this move really limits the depth that the Packers have on that defensive line. I think we'll see them play a little bit more base personnel against uh, the Dallas uh, front. So Lowry, Daniels, Ringo, I'm going to get a few more snaps. I think you might even see Dayton Jones back on the line a little bit. Um, I think that they'll be okay, but uh, only so far as if the rest of their roster doesn't have any injuries. Uh, I think that that is a key point. The Packers will have to hope that things don't turn south in the injury department. But I think the emergence of a guy like like Dean Lowry that we've uh, followed throughout this season fairly closely uh, could mitigate the loss of Mike Pinnell. Now we get a little bit into prognostication here or, or a little bit of navel-gazing, but, but one thing I do want to add about Mike Pinnell is that the only way this is disappointing for me is is for him as a person. Um, I mean, obviously, we don't know Mike Pinnell, and we don't know what he's about and what he's like off the field. But the knock on him coming out of college was that he was a bit of a head case and couldn't take care of his business um, like a grown-up, got into some scraps with coaches, some some issues over playing time. And... and the thing that he said when he arrived in Green Bay was he wanted to to kind of prove those people wrong, uh, to say that he could, you know, stand up and be a man and do the the sort of things that a that a grown up adult needs to do. And this is just really disappointing to see him go out this way for the Packers. Sure, he he wasn't he wasn't playing that much this season. He wasn't playing that well when he did play. But it, it's just disappointing to see him go out like this in Green Bay. Uh, I guess along those same lines, we've got a headline number three here. This one breaking late this afternoon. Geronimo Allison, the upstart wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers, now facing a marijuana charge. Michael Cohen on the crime beat again. Uh, Packers wide receiver Geronimo Allison apparently charged with misdemeanor possession of marijuana last month after a traffic stop and subsequent arrest uh, in early September. Gary, what do we know about this one so far? Well, the uh, the key here with the Allison arrest is that both the charges being filed and the date of his arrest uh, were both significantly in the past. So uh, this is a story because of the investigative prowess of Cohen, um, it, more of that and less of Allison uh, making a mistake and in, in doing something in in the current timeline here or after the game. So um, sheepishly for all of the Packer fans who are gloating about Odell Beckham going on a boat cruise, um, this isn't exactly one for one, but it certainly isn't a good look for the Packers as they're heading into arguably their biggest contest of the year. Well, say what you will about Odell Beckham Jr., but going on a boat cruise isn't against the law. Um, yeah, it's it's not, but... You know, maritime law is very confusing, and I just tend to stay away from it. Uh, yes, uh, call in Cherith cute story if you need to navigate some maritime law anytime soon. Is that too <laughs> deep of a cut? I'm glad you laughed because I was worried. 
You're a crook, Captain Hook. I am a crook, Captain Hook. Well, we will get on to the Packers-Cowboys preview here in just a second, but I want to make you aware of something that's going on that's very exciting at thepowersweep.com. Gary, feel free to chime in on this one here, too, a little bit. Uh, We've published a book, uh, not a leather-bound tome that's going to look impressive on your bookshelf yet. We've got an ebook for you. This is a collection of a few stories that Gary and I put together last summer. We have updated it, put them all together in one shiny new package, and we're calling it Following Favre. This is the story of four guys the Packers tried to use to replace Brett Favre as he was on the way out in Green Bay. This is the story that starts a little bit earlier than you may have expected and takes some turns that you might not have known to their fullest extent, even if you are a pretty diehard Packers fan. I'm excited to see all this stuff together. Gary, where can we find this stuff? You can find Following Favre by going to Amazon.com. Search Following Favre or either of our names, John Meerdink or Gary Zillavy. It'll take you right to it. If you do happen to have a Kindle Unlimited subscription, the book's free to read. Otherwise, we're pricing it at a price of none other than $4. $4. And that's uh, that's just a little bit higher than the lowest possible price that you can get for an ebook on Amazon.com. They don't let you actually price them any lower than $2.99. 4 just seemed like a fitting price. And if, like Gary said, you are a member of uh, the Kindle Unlimited subscription. You can lean the, l- read that book for the low, low price of free 99. Uh, so check out Following Far. You can't beat free 99. That is the, if it's free, it's for me. My old colleague, Gene Miller at 620 WTMJ used to say that. So check that out. Uh, it is on our website, thepowersweep.com. Check it out there. You can find a link to Amazon or just head straight to amazon.com. Search Following Favre. Get your copy today. All right, let's talk some Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys are a very interesting football team. I think they're a little bit of a throwback, especially if you read just the press clippings. You hear about their ginormous offensive line, uh, the road grader type guys that they are, just the, the skill and power with which they play. You'll read about their phenomenal young rookies, uh, Dak Prescott, the quarterback, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, the running back, and about their mercurial wide receiver, Des Bryant. Des Bryant, of course, uh, part of the Packers-Cowboys playoff game at Lambeau Field after the 2014 season, and you can debate whether he caught it or not to your heart's content. It won't make one lick of difference, though, because the Dallas Cowboys lost that game in Green Bay. Now they have a chance for perhaps some redemption as the Packers travel to Dallas Uh, for an NFC Divisional Round game this Sunday afternoon. Figures to be a good one, and let's dive right in with uh, the Packers' offense versus the Cowboys' defense. So Gary, what I think we got to know about the Cowboys' defense is that they are pretty strong where the Packers tend to be strong. So there's there's really no secret here. The Packers are going to come out and try to throw the ball. Aaron Rodgers has been as hot as any quarterback can be over the past two months now um even without Jordy Nelson the passing game is very potent and uh unfortunately the Dallas Cowboys by and large across the board are pretty solid at stopping the pass uh there is one notable weak weakness though depending on how far into the world of advanced stats you are you may not know much about uh the stat called DVOA or defense adjusted value over average basically It's trying to normalize 
how well a defense or a player or an offensive line group does when they're compared to an average defense or, or a defense that is normalized to make everybody seem like they're playing roughly against the same level of competition. So compared to the average, Dallas is 30th in the league at covering tight ends. And the Packers happen to have a tight end that has been coming on pretty strong down the stretch. Gary, I, I, I'm, I wonder what your impression is of the, the Packers offense versus the Cowboys defense. Is this a, a matchup that the Packers should be concerned about? I think that the I think that the matchup that we should be the most concerned about is probably the Packers defense against the Cowboys offense. Uh, I, I tend to think Aaron Rodgers neutralizes any kind of significant advantage or or strength that the Cowboys have defensively just because of how good he's been these last uh, two months. I found interesting this will be only the third game of the season that Dallas will be at full strength in their secondary. So they had two other contests where they had full strength in their secondary, all their cornerbacks, all their full complement of safeties. The first was in week one, and the second was in week nine. And in both of those contests, the Cowboys held their opponents to under 210 passing yards. Now, that was against Philadelphia, in the, or excuse me, New York, and then I believe Philadelphia in the second contest. So uh, in both of those instances, um, relatively middle-of-the-road quarterbacks that they held, not certainly a, a top-of-the-line uh, quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. I think Cook's the matchup to exploit here, uh, but I, I have to say uh, the Packers have a running back by the name of Ty Montgomery who – um, man, they should try playing him at wide receiver, don't you think? I think, and, and it's odd because he already wears number 88, so it feels like he would fit in really well at receiver. Um, but you bring up an interesting point about the, the Packers and their use of Ty Montgomery because um, though he's fallen off a little bit the last couple of weeks, uh, the, the Dallas Cowboys don't have a particularly stout run defense. So do you think the Packers could look a little bit more to Ty Montgomery as a runner again? in this divisional round? It feels like Montgomery's been a bit of a decoy the past couple of weeks. The uh, The game against Detroit was was significantly uh, the Aaron Ripkowski show. And uh, against New York, it felt like things unraveled so quickly in the beginning that uh, the Packers looked to Aaron Rodgers to save them. Against Dallas, I think there's an opportunity for Montgomery to uh, to be more of a weapon than in the previous two weeks. What do you think, John? Uh, I think so too. I think uh, the Packers, if they can stick to what they've been doing the last couple weeks, are going to be in fairly fine shape when they have the ball. One last thing I want to call attention to as uh, as we look towards this game and uh, the Packers matching up with Dallas's defense is, is linebacker Sean Lee. Uh, Dallas has had the services of Sean Lee now for quite some time. He's he's getting up there. He's about thirty, but if you look at the at the heart of their defense, and I don't mean like the the emotional heart. I mean like right in the middle of their defense, you will find number fifty Sean Lee. Uh, he is a first team All Pro this year in part because he's been so excellent in coverage. In fact, he's one of Pro Football Focus's best rated coverage linebackers. So if the Cowboys have any chance of neutralizing 
Jared Cook, it might fall on the shoulders of Sean Lee. And Packers fans, if you're looking at a, a very, very hopeful upside for a guy like Blake Martinez, Sean Lee might very well be be the prototype there. They're about the same height and weight. Uh, Sean Lee is about 6'2 in the mid-230s and run about the same in the 40s, uh, low 4'7 range. If Blake Martinez could develop into something like Sean Lee, the Packers would have something serious. But right now, Lee playing for the Cowboys is going to be their best, uh, best hope uh, in the middle against a guy like Jared Cook. So that's the uh, Packers offense versus the Cowboys defense. Gary, what do you know about uh, the Cowboys offense? Have you heard anything about maybe a, a stellar young running back or quarterback they may have? Yeah, it seems like they got a couple of uh, couple of youngsters who are shaking up the league by storm. And uh, those are quarterback Dak Prescott and running back Ezekiel Elliott. And the number you should take away from this conversation about the Dallas offense is the number two. And I say two for this reason. The Cowboys were one of only two NFL teams that ran the ball more than they threw it. And the second reason you should remember the number two is because the Cowboys finished second in the NFL in time of possession at 31 minutes, 40 seconds per game. So they're holding the ball over half of the time in the game, and they're running at a rate more than they're passing. This offense schematically and and how they're built reminds me quite a bit of the Atlanta Falcons under Mike Smith, uh, specifically with how they chose to attack, and this was pre-Julio Jones, how they chose to attack uh, attack teams. They wanted to control the ball with Michael Turner, a very capable, shifty running back, much like, uh, certainly not the same as Ezekiel Elliott, but a talented running back nonetheless. Uh, they had Tony Gonzalez, a future Hall of Famer tight end in the middle, much like the Cowboys have Jason Witten. And then Matt Ryan and Dak Prescott essentially not asked to do too much, but uh, be more of a game manager. And the results uh, for Atlanta and Dallas were pretty similar. Uh, strong win-loss percentage, defended their home turf very well, uh, and and really made the other team uh, from the start be on their heels. Um, it didn't trail very often. Uh, and, and I think the weakness, John, and I'm interested to get your opinion on this, is whether the Packers can stop the Cowboys long enough for the offense and Aaron Rodgers to take a lead and force Dallas to change their game plan. I think that's really the key. I'm not sure if the Packers can do it, but if they can, that's going to change the way that the Cowboys attack. Uh, you, you take away a running game in one of two ways. First, you, you just stop the run. Uh, you, you, you make it unproductive when they do run. And secondly, you you make it tactically uh, foolish, I guess, uh, to to run the football. If Dallas is trailing uh, by you know seven to ten points and trying to make up ground quickly, they're not in a position where they can run the ball. And that seems to me like one of the best ways they could neutralize the Cowboys' running game. If the Packers simply get ahead. They, they, the Cowboys won't be able to run the ball or they, they will be less likely to run the ball and uh, use the strength of their offense. Uh, one thing that you mentioned that I wanted to, to see if you're as scared about as I am is, is uh, the comparison to Tony Gonzalez, that being the form of Jason Witten. 
Witten just seems like the sort of guy who's going to kill the Packers. Uh, we haven't had a tight end just bust up the Packers defense in a while. But, man, it seems like we're due, doesn't it? It does, but I, I don't think Witten's going to be the guy. Um, I, I've I've watched the Cowboys a number of times this year, and he does seem to be just a step slower. Um, and and since he could just at two at six five and two fifty seven, he could beat the junk out of me. I say that with all due respect, in much like a Ricky Bobby way. Um, he averages about sixty yards in in uh, eight games against the Packers. Um, I I don't I don't I, you're you're right. The Packers are due to have a big tight end performance against him, but I'm not so sure it's going to be Witten. Well, it's funny you point out uh, uh, Witten's average against the Packers being about 60 yards. Jason Witten has gone from more than 60 yards this season exactly twice. Week 9 against Cleveland, so take that for what it's worth. He had eight catches for 134 yards and a touchdown. And then all the way back in Week 1, Jason Witten had nine catches for 66 yards. Uh, Winton has, like you said, slowed down a little bit this year. Hasn't been the the same sort of physical presence that maybe he was in the past. Um, but I I still think he could make things a little bit difficult for the Packers. Now Jake Ryan's played well. He might have played his best game as a Packer this past week. Uh, but but he's not really the coverage guy for the Packers either. And and Joe Thomas has been hurting at linebacker. So I. Even even though you rightly say that Jason Witten may have slowed down a little bit, he still scares me because it just feels like he could he could be the guy that that kills the Packers ultimately. Well, let's hope not, right? Uh, now, I think along those lines, John, I ca- I came across an interesting stat here uh, that the Packers seventeen games this year, uh, they're a three four defense, which means. Uh, their their personnel is structured where their base defense includes three defensive linemen and four linebackers. Correct. Uh, and in all 17 games, the Packers have only begun the game with three defensive linemen and four linebackers in only two of those contests. Uh, so the other 15 games, they've opened with a modified line of two defensive linemen, uh, four linebackers, and an additional man in the secondary. Um, Now, the two games where they played a traditional base defense, which if you're a reader of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and Bob McGinn's coverage, you'll know that the Packers are are not uh, one to play base defense uh, regularly. Those two games were against the Cowboys and the Tennessee Titans. Um, both of those games losses, uh, but they also provided the Packers two worst performances on the ground. Dallas ran for 191 yards against the Packers, and the Titans ran for 154. John, how do they slow down this rushing attack? Pray, I guess, and get out to a good <laughs> good lead. It's funny that you mentioned the Titans because I heard a very apt description of the Titans before the season even began. At the time, it was used kind of derisively saying the Titans uh, wanted to use this offense that was being described as exotic power. So that is uh, power running and then mix in some crazy weird stuff to go with their athletic quarterback. Well, it, it worked for the Titans this year because they ended up having a pretty pretty good season, better than I think a lot of people would expect it. The Cowboys, in a lot of ways, uh, ran that sort of power offense too. 
and uh, mix some things in for their athletic young quarterback. They obviously did it a, a lot better than the Titans in a better conference than the, the Titans did. Uh, but I, I don't know how you slow down this defense other than getting a really good performance from your D and and just trying to, to get out ahead and make it impractical for them to run. What do you think about Ladarius Gunter coming into this game? He's going to be going up against Des Bryant, and he had the duty of pretty much shadowing Odell Beckham Jr. wherever he went on this field or on the field this last Sunday. And uh, Gunter, Gunter showed up. He had a great game against Beckham. Four catches, twenty-eight yards for ODB or OBJ. John, just a quick sidebar: Is it ODB or is it OBJ? I went with OBJ uh, to the extent that I use the abbreviations. But I said I saw a lot of people on Twitter during the game and in the coverage after the game using the abbreviation. ODB, which seems just weird to me, but ODB feels like it's so close to OCB, Old Country Buffet, and that just brings up some bad memories of college. Did ODB go to OCB during that boat trip to Miami? <laughs> uh, AT and T, CNN, <laughs> other letters. I, I think if you're a if you're a rich young football player, Old Country Buffet probably not on your list of stops, but I could be wrong. So let's let's talk Ladarius Gunter. Let's. I think Gunter is is our biggest um, he's our biggest weapon on the defensive end. I think uh, if the Packers win on Sunday, it's going to require a, another solid performance from Gunter. Des Bryant does not have to do much for the Dallas Cowboys in order for them to win the game. I think much like the 2014 playoff game where uh, Demarco Murray and Tony Romo and and Jason Witten were you know the main focal points of that op- offense. Bryant only needs to make two or three big catches in order to really affect this game for the Cowboys. Now, Gunter being the tallest of the Packers cornerbacks at six foot two certainly gives them um, gives the Packers a good advantage and and has a history of of performing very well against big physical receivers. Uh, I think a Julio Jones in the Atlanta loss earlier. Gunter had a really solid performance there. Um, but John, do you think there's another corner on the team that, that might be in for a long day? I think so. And I think it's, it's because of the receiver he's playing against being a perfect matchup, uh, for this particular corners, physical shortcomings. I'll say it that way. And the, the corner we're talking about is a guy that both Gary and I are big fans of Micah Hyde. Now Hyde is, is, uh, on the larger side for a corner, I would say going about six foot around 200 pounds, but he'll probably more than likely be tasked with uh, following Cole Beasley around and Beasley just, man, he's going to give the Packers fits. He did last time. Uh, just one of the, he's the, the prototypical, uh, why he's not playing for the new England Patriots. I just do not understand because he is five feet, eight lightning quick and white as something that's really really white i don't know that analogy kind of petered out as i went through it but to, white as snow yeah i guess uh with flowing okay. with flowing golden locks to go with it okay guy's got a you could put edelman on the back of his jersey and and you couldn't tell a difference most patriots fans wouldn't know the difference um but cole beasley Ouch. small quick he's going to be a problem for cole beasley and an interesting thing that i learned today if you look at Pro Football Focus's ratings of the Cowboys wide receiver, it's, it's actually Cole, Be- Cole Beasley that is the top-rated guy for Dallas, not Des Bryant. So take that for whatever it's worth. 
That's really interesting, John. Uh, so I, I guess we're we're heading at that point where we've we've looked at uh, both the Packers offense and the Packers defense as it matches up against Dallas. John, give me a give me a playmaker. Give me someone who has to have a big game for Green Bay in order for them to advance to the NFC Championship game. Well, I said it at the top of the show. I said it during the time when we were talking about the Packers offense, and I'm going to say it again here. It's going to have to be Jared Cook. We haven't seen a real big, big game from him since the tragic Sunday night game against Washington that, I guess, led up to the let's run the table comment from Aaron Rodgers. But it may take another game like that from Jared Cook uh, to get the Packers to the NFC Championship game. What about you, Gary? Oh, man. It it sounds – I I, I take it both of us are are just automatically saying Rodgers – so, so we're looking at, at, at the second best option. Um, and for me, that's got to be Ty Montgomery. I, I think there's a lot of really positive momentum around Montgomery, but uh, he's really only had that one game against Chicago where he, he was a real game breaker and a difference maker. So it would be, it would really alleviate a lot of the pressure on Rodgers to essentially, you know, I think of Favre in in the in the mid two thousands, early two thousands. I remember that divisional game against the Rams, where the Rams had this prolific offense, and Favre just threw and threw and threw, and he, he always had this propensity for feeling like he had to put the team on his back, and he threw six picks in that game, and uh, I, I'm worried about Rodgers feeling that way against Dallas that he's got to come out and just completely take over. So I think Montgomery's got to come out out of the gates hot, have a couple of runs that that tells Mike McCarthy that he's not only going that they got to run the ball a little bit better. So I'm going to say Montgomery. I buy it. Uh, I buy Ty Montgomery having to have a big game to get the backers there. And and I, I think that's a good pick as well. So speaking of picks, we've put it off as long as we possibly can. What's your pick for this game? Well, I've been ruthlessly harassed by the listeners of Blue 58 uh, that early on uh, I said that if the Packers were to beat the Seattle Seahawks, that they would go on to win the Super Bowl. And if they would lose to the Seattle Seahawks, that they would not make the playoffs. So I'm sticking with my prediction. I'm rolling the dice. I'm picking Green Bay. I think a lot's made about the Packers rushing attack against, um, or excuse me, the Cowboys rushing attack against the Packers defense. Um, since 2013, the Cowboys and Packers have played four times. The Cowboys have averaged 6.4 yards per carry uh, across those four games. That's ridiculous. But wins. Packers have three of them. Cowboys have one. I like Green Bay close. Give me... 47 to 45. 47 to 45, going with some Arizona Cardinals Packers stuff from 2009, a high-scoring affair in the divisional round for Gary. Uh, I think I'm going to peg things a little bit a uh, little bit shorter than that to, in, in terms of scoring, but not by much. I think the Packers get out early and the Cowboys rally late, but it's not going to be enough. 31-28, the final. Packers go to the NFC Championship game for me. I think Aaron Rodgers stays hot. I think he gets some help from from Ty Montgomery, and they get the get the win and get on to the NFC Championship game. Only waiting to see uh, who they're going to be playing. Uh, Gary, how can people find us if they're looking for us on the internet? 
Well, there's a couple of different ways, John, and I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, I, I hope the good people listening are, are social media users. And if you are, I'd highly recommend you navigate your browser or mobile phone over to Facebook or Twitter. Uh, go ahead and search for us. We're at the Power Sweep on both locations. And uh, let's say you don't use social media, which is fine. We're not here to judge. Go ahead and uh, you can browse us on the World Wide Web. We've created a spot just for you, and that's www.thepowersweep.com. And finally, if you'd like to connect with John and I, you can find us on Twitter. John is at John Meerdink, and I am at Gzil, G, Z is in zebra, I-L. You can also send us an electronic mail if you so choose. Listen, folks, I'm giving you tons of different ways, so... Um, you choose the one that's best for you. If you want to email us, it's thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We love chatting with you guys. Um, your feedback helps John and I make Blue 58 and the Power Sweep uh, better and helps make all of us smarter Packer fans. The smarter Packer fans are better Packer fans are better and better Packer fans are what we all want to be. So it's the divisional round coming up on Sunday. Both Gary and I picking a win. We'll see if those predictions come true when you join us next week on Blue 58. For Gary Zillaby, I'm John Meerdink. Thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm.